Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and thanks for joining us here on the podcast. Tonight is episode 50, and I was talking to Anthony earlier. I can't believe we're at 50 already, or at all, in some respects. It's been a um, quite a wild ride these few years on the podcast. Uh, we've got Anthony and Kevin with us as usual. Uh, yes. For episode 50, we thought we'd do something uh, and basically just focus on viewer questions. So um, several of you gave us some questions ahead of time. If you want to ask some questions now, we want to focus on you, the viewers who have made 50 episodes possible tonight. So Anthony, I'll let you uh, say a few words about uh, the podcast to celebrate this number 50. You know, what else could we do at this point besides reflect? Reflect on the years that have passed. It's been the top of my head it's been five and a half more than five and a half years uh since the first episode which was recorded uh audio only in john weir's uh girlfriend or fiance at the time i'm not sure if they were engaged i think girlfriend's car a toyota tercel um parked in a um commuter lot parking lot and um basically he lives in new york city i live in connecticut so it was a chance for us to just meet somewhere like we had this really cool idea that we wanted to try to start um not a lot of listeners at that point but um some people did and that was enough for us like just the fact i can remember to saying to him like honestly if one person listens to this i would be so thrilled and uh, there were quite a few. I don't normally wear scarves like this. This is this is a commentary on how cold it is today. Yeah. I went for a yeah. jog this morning. It was 18 <laughs> degrees. Yeah, it's pretty bad. I wish. I wish. It wasn't quite that cold here. Steve loves weather, in case anyone hasn't uh, picked up on that before. Steve yeah. loves the weather. He really does. Anthony, like, that, are, you, uh, are you not heating down there to make kind of rumination easier? Is there what? Is there heating? Are you heating downstairs or are you doing no. the purpose for rumination? No, actually, I wish it was colder down here. It's been... The basement's been in the low 60s, which I really wish it was in the 50s because most of the species, I mean, if there's <clears throat> like a tortoise that shouldn't get into the the high 50s or mid 50s, then obviously supplemental heat is fine um, and moving to a different area. But for the most part, a lot of the species that I keep, I wish they were in the 50s and they're not yet. So no, hopefully running, it's enough. What about running like an air conditioner down there? Uh, I don't know. Like, I haven't really thought about it. You know? It'd be so weird to run an air conditioner when it's 18 degrees outside. Uh, <laughs> I've done it. I don't know. Not for turtles, but I've done it. Um, yeah, so uh, back to the podcast. Um, so I can't remember exactly where it was. Somewhere around, I don't, I don't know exactly where it was, which episode we were at. But um, I saw another podcast that used this um you know, video platform and talk to Steve about it. Well, we switched, we had switched to video before going to this. We recorded a couple video episodes via Skype. I think it was. Oh, you remember that? That wasn't, that wasn't I don't, lived. I don't think I was, I don't think I was recording on video though. I think I was just recording the audio. Okay. We might've just calls. recorded, but we did yeah. some, some via Skype that yep. way too. 
Yeah, I just spent $30 for that plugin to record Skype calls, and then we used it for a little while. That's right. I totally yeah. forgot about that. That's wild. So anyway, the technology has advanced uh, much faster than we've been able to keep up with it. So there's probably something really cool we don't know about yet. Go ahead and drop us a line if there is. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been an absolute thrill to be able to you know communicate this way, to be able to get to know on a personal level some of the guests that we've had. Um and of course, work together with you guys to um, build something that we think is really cool. So really happy to be here. It's crazy that it's been 50 episodes. Um, it's crazy that Chris Leone has probably been on 25 of those as a guest. Just kidding. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome. And it's cool to reflect too, you know, at this time. New year, new me, same podcast, hopefully better. But um, Anthony, what's new about you? What's new about me? My scarf. Yeah, besides the scarf. Um, I went. I went for a run this morning. I'm gonna try to not to be as as fat. I wanna, I wanna live for many decades to come with with turtles in my life. Nice. Yeah. So timeline for everybody. Episode one we aired on February 24th, 2013. You should have let me guess. Off the top of my head. I'll let you guess when we switch to video. Then I'll give you a hint. It was episode number nine. Nine. I was gonna say eight. I was gonna say eight. It, it really was not, was. podcast goes live. Guess what date that one was? That would have been ooh, the middle of 2014. Yeah, July 22nd. Not bad. Not bad. Everyone is watching saying, I'm not impressed. They're your shows. You should know when they were. And we, we added our first special guests right on episode 10. Who was the first guest? Rosie. Steve Rosan, the first guest. How did that happen? That's that's a that's a um, trivia question that will never be answered correctly. No then, offense, uh, Rosan. I know you're watching. Was uh, was our own Kevin Labiel? Oh yeah, about African species. And then we had uh, Andrew and Chris on right after that. Yeah, I to Andrew one not too long ago it was about uh, how to run a successful turtle business. Yeah. That's so cool. Wow. Look at that. Yeah. So, I mean, the podcast, I'm really, I'm really proud of the podcast because it's, I think it's like, like we have our platforms. We've had some guests on who we don't necessarily agree with in every way. We've had um, some guests on who have talked about like their experiences that we don't necessarily condone, if that makes any sense. But being able to hear their side of the story has been absolutely amazing. And I think, like, if you look at a show like River Monsters or something like that, like Jeremy Wade goes out and has these adventures, and then, like, Animal Planet releases the book, and it's all the same adventures you see on the show. Like, I totally feel like we could have a book just based on the guests that we've had here and the cool stories that they've told right here on the podcast. So that to me is, is like the coolest thing that's happened. If only uh, knew somebody that's published a book before and know how to, knows how to go about it, you know, if only. What are you talking about? Russ, Russ Gurley. You, you. I don't know how to publish a book. I barely wrote a book. It's like a, oh, you wrote it's like a, a pamphlet. <laughs> you <know what? laughs> I've seen. As you, as you make fun of the size of your own book. Remember how long it felt oh. in the, in the word document. It did. It did. You're right. It's so, it's so funny to reflect on. You're right. But I've seen longer pamphlets for Ninja blenders. 
anyway. Well, they have to. They have to make sure people don't cut themselves in the blender, and that takes like what eighteen pages because of all the different yeah. ways they have to say it. That's like, more important don't than saving. In, don't stick your toes in. Don't stick your nose in. You know. Right. It's more important than saving or learning about rare Asian species. I agree. I don't agree. I don't. <laughs> I don't care if you stick your hand in a blender. Save the Spangler eye. I'm sick of saying it. Um, yeah. So, and and uh, we wanted to do something new for this uh, podcast uh, where we basically, and of course, Steve is like such a whiz, right? He just creates that, that um, survey questionnaire that can be sent out so that viewers can very easily conveniently in just a matter of seconds, send their very detailed notes to us um, so that you can suggest, what can they suggest? I can't remember anymore. Can they suggest uh, guests? They can, topics, uh, questions? No, yeah, they can suggest topics for the future. So they could include a, a guest there if they wanted to, you know, right. it's, it's pretty a cool response type thing um, that links on our page and has questions for tonight. We'll uh, tweak the form with some other stuff for the future, but. Um, if you want to ask questions now, you can go to the live chat. You can go into that form. Either way, we'll see them see them as you uh, put them in. Yeah, I think this form would be great to have on the website. Just yeah, we have stuff. We'll do that. Yeah. All right. Well, guys. So as you know, the topic of this was uh, your questions, and we have eight questions lined up. So if you see stuff, if you have questions in the meantime, you need to throw them in the YouTube chat right there, live, or toss them in here. I can refresh as we go. Um, What's, can I just add something? Yeah. Can I just add something? Absolutely. The interesting piece here is we had time and we really could have like screened the questions and read them first. Yeah. So if we stumble over them at first, just know that that we wanted to have the opportunity to kind of just answer off the cuff. This is something that John, the, the co-creator of the podcast and, and my best friend in the world, um, my only friend who's taller than me, um, it's something he used to love to do. And I used to complain to him all the time about it. But I have to admit, like with this episode 50, I thought like, you know what? Let's pour this one out for our homie, John. And, you know, let's let's do it the way that uh, he would have liked to do it, which is just throw it off the cuff. So you're going to get our our real, real time, embarrassing uh, responses to each one of these questions instead of just, you know, the, the pre-rehearsed response where I could have done a little research and tried to sound really smart. So I'm, I'm putting, I just, I feel like I'm putting myself at risk here of sounding dumb. And I just want you guys to know that that very well might happen. So enjoy. This could be for great. What, for what it's worth. We did try to bring back some uh, old hosts as well, but the schedule just didn't happen to work out for that. Yeah. So um, maybe we'll, we'll try to squeeze that in here over the future episodes that we'll, we'll be rocking out over the next few months. But um, Kevin, give us a question, bro. All right. First question comes from a Turtle Room uh, friend, a uh, big friend of uh, Anthony's as well, Charlie Moorcraft. Uh, the question is, what are some ways people starting to keep turtles and tortoises can get involved to help protect their future? Man, it's a good question. That's a deep one to start with. Who is that question for? Anyone? Uh, that is for everyone. He's, he's, he's the best. So democratic. You know? This is Veda, by the way. Hi, Veda. Veda, would you like to answer the question about the turtles? Veda, say hi, turtles. Don't do it. Do not pick that nostril. Don't. 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 You almost did it. Recorded for posterity. Kevin's so nervous. So embarrassed. My daughter's not a booger picker. Your face looks red. Maybe it's just because it's next to her. She's very pale. Yeah. Is she, is she feeling all right? Yeah, she's great. Okay, good. So Charlie's question, Charlie is a wonderful guy. If you guys haven't had the chance or if you see him like around Facebook and the turtle section, 
perusing and you're not sure who he is, he, he's really one of the great ones, such a great guy. Um, and his question's a really good one because I think, like, to be able to feel like you're making a difference or to be involved or what, I mean, I think whatever you want to do, whatever you want to accomplish, it's like a very personal, um, very personal, very individualized process. So what I find fulfilling is not what Steve's going to find fulfilling. It's not what Kevin's going to find fulfilling. Um, and then there's the whole like ignorance is bliss thing too, where I think a lot of us have done things in the past thinking that we were really helping out and come to find out, you learn a little bit more and you find that you can use your time in other ways and other areas. Um, so I um, think, go ahead, please. Um, is that you, Steve? Yeah, it was. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think a lot of times we, we focus a lot on, okay, what can I do? Like what species can I go buy a couple of and, and, and keep and, and help protect their future. And <clears throat> Like we love to think that by you know horking up a couple of turtles and putting them in, a, in an aquarium or a tub and trying to breed them is like going to help protect their future. And I guess if we're talking about pres preserving the species, like they don't go like extinct even in captivity, that might marginally make some difference. But one of the things that I think we learned. Um, several years ago and in some ways is why the turtle room is the way it is, is we needed to connect with other people because you can't really do that yourself. Um, you can't possibly keep enough of a single species to really uh, make a big impact on that in that manner. Even though I think a lot of us would, would love for that to be a truth. Um, it, it, I don't think it really is one that you can just save a species by yourself by keeping a couple in captivity or whatever. Um, I think one of the great ways that people can get involved is, um, I think there's, there's two ways is I would try to personally get involved volunteering with a conservation organization because there are so many different niches you could fill, even if you don't know a lot about turtles. And I, you know, I think this is a topic we've brought up a little bit before is, um, Photography. If you're willing, if if you have the ability to travel and take photos, turtle conservation organizations could use you. If you have the ability to, um, I don't know, throw something out there. If you're a video guy like Kevin, that's how Kevin came to be with us because he had a you know passion for video as well as turtles and tortoises. And um, so there's a lot of different niches that you can fit in. Um, I mean, uh, cause I assume the question is asked cause some people want to get beyond just, you know, don't eating money. And while that's valuable, like the, the time and effort somebody can spend in helping participate in an outreach program, helping, you know, just take pictures for an organization to use on media and social media and whatever can be really valuable. It's, it's stuff that's otherwise time consuming and might be lesser quality because, turtle organizations aren't hiring photographers as a whole, you know, it's great if somebody can do it, but you know, you got to hire people who are turtle conservationists for, to do field work um, and things like that. So there's, I think it's limitless how people can get involved in conservation, as long as you're a little bit creative about it. And like you have a, you go, Hey, I'd like to get involved. Well, 
send us an email, figure out what we can figure out what skills you have and find a, find a way to, for you to target them to help turtles and tortoises. Yeah. Can I just ask you, what does it mean to hork up a couple turtles? I, I don't know. I, I don't know where that, that came, came just, from. Hork was the word define hork. Hork. H O R K. Yeah. I don't really think of it with food and, you know, maybe it's because oh. I, I don't know. Um, it sounded sexual to me. That way. It sounded sexual to me. Uh, oh. To foul up to be occupied with difficulty, tangle, or unpleasantness. To be that might have been the sexual part, the unpleasantness for me. <laughs> that might have been what it the was. Program, but something is corked and it won't load. Oh. There you go. There you go. Either way, it was inappropriate. I think you used the wrong word, Steve. I, yeah, I was just, you know. I don't know where it came from. Uh, as as somebody who hasn't really had the scientific background or whatnot, uh, it is I've always had a passion for turtles. And as Steve, Steve said, I wanted to do whatever I could. So I just I sent a message. Actually, uh, they were looking for a writer, and I said I can't write for my life, but I do know how to uh, edit video. I did that for 15, 20 years, and um, they brought me on board. It's been over two years now. I'm happy to be here still. Uh, it's and I apologize to all of you if you've been waiting for our videos. I had some uh, technical issues with my computer, uh, but we're back up and running now. You should see, you'll see videos starting next Monday again. There you go. Heard it here first, folks. Exciting, exciting. Heard it here for heard it, heard it here for first, first. Yeah. Uh, listen, I, it's it's got to be the people for me. At the end of the day, I love nothing more than helping to uh, helping someone to see something in a different way. Um, Charlie probably knows that we have these long discussions, Steve, Kevin, we've had these long discussions in the past where we talk about things and, and learn from each other. Steve sets me straight all the time. I can't tell you how many times I've asked Steve different questions that I just know he's going to know the answer to. Um, and there's a lot of people like that that you can rely on. I rely on so many people. I also though say, you know, researching is, is fun to do it on your own and not just to ask the questions. Um, and over time, you learn who to ask and who to go to for those more and more complex questions as you keep going and learning, you know? Yeah. And, you know, that actually you mentioned about learning and doing research actually brings up another way you can get involved is get out and attend a conference. Like learning more, like that's a great way to get involved because you get to meet so many people who are involved with it. You get to learn more about the conservation side that you may not know a whole lot about. And through those connections, you might find a way where where you can offer your talents and, and gifts. And I know it takes some time and money to get to one of these events, but I think in the long run, getting down to things like that can be a really beneficial thing. Amen. Said it here before. What uh, else you got, Kev? Hork, hork another one at us. Hork it, yeah. I'm going to hork this one from uh, somebody that watches us every month when we do this, Cole Tram. Uh, this one's pretty awesome. basic. It could be for anybody on here. Uh, do you guys keep any other reptiles other than turtles or tortoises? I'll start if that's okay. I currently do not. Uh, throughout my life, I've had all manners of things, uh, but I've always had a passion for turtles. And uh, actually, I co-own some monitors, but they're not living in my home right now. So moving on to you guys. That sounds complicated. Um, I have a really quick short answer. So um, I actually kept some anoles before I kept turtles. Was that food for what? Turtles? I never yeah, knew I, that. I had a couple of nose. I even had one lay an egg. Did you but, eat it? What? Did you eat it? That'd be like it's like the size of a less. It's just like the size of a jelly belly jelly bean. Like no, I'm at the anole. Did you eat the anole? Uh, no, <laughs> no. 
I don't know. Of, I, mean, I never knew you kept a Knowles. Maybe there's other stuff I don't know. Like no, no, it? I didn't. Maybe that's why you never told me about it. Yeah, I had I had a Knowles, and they actually laid an egg, but they laid it like right under the heat lamp, and mm. I was gone for hours. And by the time I got back, it was like a raisin instead of an egg. And after that experience, you said no more Knowles. I'm going to turtles now. No, I kept the Knowles for a while until they passed away, but that's I didn't really get cool. any more eggs. It was really a bummer. That's really yeah. cool. You guys know that anoles are actually a lot of times bred as feeder lizards. I had no idea. What do people feed them to? Larger lizards. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Who knew? Yeah. If you you did. These uh, those like backwater reptile sites, things like that. You'll see yeah. uh, feeder lizards on there, and anoles are part of it. Interesting. Hmm. It's amazing what you don't know when you just have tunnel vision. You know, guilty. This guy. You know. But uh, I, I will say I keep no other reptiles and to the point where like uh, Chris Leone has had a couple snakes over the years. Um, and when I visit him, I just I get angry with him that he's that he has snakes. I feel like he's a bit of a traitor on the inside, but <laughs> he's a good guy. We allow, we're, it's OK. It's OK. But I used to breed bearded dragons. Actually, that was the first reptile that I ever bred. I had 19 bearded dragons when I was in college. And my nice. apartment, my apartment smelled so bad. It was I'd, horrible. I'd, I'd love to actually have a, a couple lizards again in the future, but they're really cool. And uh, yeah, and I I, I, I love them. Lizards. I enjoy lizards. I you just know, I'm tunnel vision. I'm too into something. I'm too into turtles, so I can't I can't I can't have the, all the turtles that I want to keep. So I wouldn't you know. I wouldn't keep anything that I wasn't 100% dedicated to and didn't have more than enough space for, if that makes sense. So, Steve, we're working on um, trying to breed some peach throw monitors in the U.S., which isn't really uh, that often. Fairly small. Yeah. So if that does happen, you let us know if you want to try something out. Okay, we will do. Even if it's just like you don't have to buy it, just raise it up if you want. Put it on the poll for the for – the, can, can we make a poll – for the listeners, is Steve actually interested in the monitors? Will there be the lizard room soon? The lizard room. Can we, <laughs> <laughs> can we do that? Do we have the technology, Steve? Can we do that next? Could that be the next big thing after this new questionnaire that you developed? First of all, Steve, I don't know how long it took you to do it. Maybe it took you like 40 hours to do it in the back room. Uh, you created that questionnaire. It must have took you 40 seconds. Yeah, right? it wasn't long at all. I mean, it's Google Forms. Google Forms is pretty intuitive and quick and easy. Oh, is that all that was? It looks a lot more professional than I would expect. It's yeah, it's Google Forms. They do a great okay. job. I'm embarrassed. I'm not that. Yeah, it's actually okay. – Google makes it easy to embed. They have lots of customizable things, so I was able to use our own green color instead of just picking a random green, you know, so. That's awesome. Very cool. All right. I'm thanks thanks for your hard work. All right, Sue, excuse me. And I, You're excused. As my grandmother used to say, there's no excuse for you. Oh. Say it to me, though. Your grandmother sounds rough. She's rough and tumble lady, you know? Is she still around? No, no. Uh, she passed when I was like 14. I shouldn't have asked. I'm sorry. It's 20 plus years ago. We're good. She sounds awesome, though. She was good. Yeah. She used to, she used to make me promise that I would, when I go to school dances, that I would pick up a wallflower and dance with her. Which That's uh, sweet. Yeah, nice lady. Little did hey. she know that you were the wallflower. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm still a wallflower. I've never been such. I've never been called a wallflower in my life. Not that either. I didn't know ever I that. That well, wallflower is like somebody that would be shy and wouldn't like you know right. walk out into the crowd of dance. You know, but 
if you talk to my wife, I dance nonstop with Veda every day. Right. Trolls is on in the background. We're just going wild. But in those days when you were a kid, you needed someone to to come up and hork you to the dance floor. <laughs> 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 oh, man. Oh, man. Okay, so our next question is also on the YouTube uh, chat. And I apologize. I don't want to butcher your name. It's either Rosendo or Rosendo. Um, All right. They're asking the latest on Rafidus, and I probably butchered that also. Who who's the question for? Uh, they just it's from YouTube, so anybody. Latest on Rafidus. Oh, cool. Um, so uh, they have um officially identified a fourth living specimen. That was a couple months ago that happened. Um, they've also um found some eDNA. Uh, and observed a an animal in an uh, of a potential fifth, but last I knew, they still had not yet uh, confirmed which soft, large soft shell species that fifth animal belonged to. Um, uh, you know, um, if you want to keep up to date on that, um, there is the uh, what's the name of that? Oh, the Asian Turtle Program. It's based mm -hmm. in Vietnam. I think actually you could go to AsianTurtleProgram.org and you can sign up for their newsletter. They're the ones that kind of head up a lot of that work. It also pops up like anytime there's news on that, we make sure to include it in our World Turtle News blog. So great way to keep up on that kind of stuff are those two avenues. Yeah. What he said. <laughs> we were just talking about the ATP today, though. They're a great organization. Yeah. Um, is it pronounced Rafidus? I thought it was Rafidus. Uh, again, that depends on which Latin school you oh, both we can't prefer get into that on the Eve. <laughs> it's the 50th pop podcast. We've we've gone over that 26 times. <laughs> 26 different episodes have a, a bit where where you're telling us, teaching us about different I, types I, of Latin and I'm making fun of you for it. I, I figured it's the 50th episode where we're pulling in random stuff from old ones as we go. I was like, wait a minute, here's a chance to bring up two different schools of Latin again. Don't so do it. Tomato, tomato, is, you can say it either way, Rafidus Rafidus. You can't, you can say it either way. Um, the one thing that actually drives me nuts, and again, since we're, you know, beating Here old comes. Drums, we're going down that rabbit hole, <laughs> aren't consistent and blend the two even within the same species name. So anyway, you're the only one who knows what's going on. So, well, not the only one, but I get your point. So there's a recap of an old episode or three or, or 26, 26. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. That's terrific. That is just terrific. Oh, man. Okay, so our next uh, question comes from Jeremy Thompson. It's for Anthony. Uh, oh, I'm so nervous. Hey, you should be, you know? It's, uh, this one's tough. Hi, how Jeremy. Is your, how is your Spinoza project coming along? Before Anthony answers that, answers that question, I just want, since Jeremy is, a, is an individual member and has supported us for a couple of years, I want to thank him for his support while we're answering his question. Yeah. That sounds great. Jeremy, I, Jeremy wants a... Conixus, Conixus, I can't ever say the Latin names, I'm sorry. Uh, topics covered in the future also. And I believe he's actually breeding some uh, stuff that's not really bred in the U.S. very often. I've seen it online recently. So that's it, sounds like, it sounds like Jeremy should be a guest. It's pot, oh, That might not be bad. Jeremy, I'm not going to be able to teach him anything about hingebacks. Jeremy, that's if you're watching sure. right now, if you're live, uh, just type in uh, the chat if you want to come on as a guest sometime. We'll get it going. Let us know. Put it on the poll. Will Jeremy actually be a guest? 
You I wish we could do a poll in the chat. That'd be cool. Wouldn't that be cool? There's got to be a way. That. There probably is. We could probably do it on the website or on Facebook. Do a oh. Facebook poll every time there's a cool, interesting. We might be able to pull. We'll have to, we'll have to work on that for future episodes. This is developing right now before our eyes, <laughs> and I love it. Oh, it's great. Okay, so answer Jeremy's question. How's your Spinoza project coming along? I was going to make a joke and say, act like I forgot what the question was, but then you told me again. Uh, but I did I did remember what it was. So uh, here um, in the basement uh, where I am, there, <clears throat> excuse me, there are five Hyosemi Spinoza, Spiny Hill Turtle or Spiny Turtle or Cogwheel Turtle, um, which is a... But I like it. What's that? I haven't heard that one before, but I like it. The cogwheel turtle. I like that. I've heard that before. Is that, I didn't make yeah, that up. Did I? I've heard That's not like a common name for something else, is it? No, um, no I like that. I like it. Yeah. So uh, they're terrific. They're when they're small, they're, they, whoa, I keep hitting my computer. When they're small, they look like, uh, like ninja stars that you could throw and they'd stick to the wall. Not that you should throw turtles, especially endangered ones, but uh, they're beautiful. They're awesome. Uh, my project, I have two males and three females. Um, one of the males is the largest in, well, ever on record. And um, I wrote an article for Radiana Magazine about that male. So that's the really good news. Both the males are like super duper old. The females are kind of young, um, just kind of coming into, um, you know, adulthood um and i've been trying to breed them and so far absolutely nothing the old males are not interested whatsoever they're also like super geriatric um the huge male the the male is a foot long he's huge so he looks like a hyosemi's grandis uh anthony's but, five feet away go grab him really i think he's beautiful well now you put me on the spot he's gonna i can't grab him I can't. I showed him on the. I think I showed him on the podcast before. I can't get him because he's gonna poop everywhere. It's gonna be horrible. I don't handle my turtles more than like I need to, so I don't yeah. pick him up all the time. And every time I pick him up, he poops a, a large poop like there was a human being that got sick and decided to poop all over my house. Like that's what it looks like. I really like Spinoza. I got to help raise some of them um, uh, several years ago. Got to watch them grow up. It's, they're they're fun animals to take care of. Even though they really are. The, the difficult thing when they're large, and obviously yeah, I would yeah. know about a large Spinoza at this point. They need um, individual spaces. They're so disgusting. So you yeah. give them clean water, brand new clean yeah. water, and there is like like if I have five enclosures for the five turtles. I put a clean water dish in each one. Every single one has poop floating in it later that day. Yeah, it was probably even three minutes later. Yeah, some, yeah, some, but they all definitely get to it by the end of the day. Like, it's unbelievable. You feed them, they drag the food everywhere. So it's really tough to, like, keep bugs at bay and to um, to keep things clean. So they're really difficult to keep indoors. And um, But I think they do well with the temperatures in the basement. So, um, yeah. you know, the cool down and then the warm winters, uh, drier, cooler, drier, cooler winters, long and warm, humid summers. Sorry. Um, I think they do pretty well, but you know, if I'm being honest, then I think the South is probably where they belong. So don't be surprised if you or someone checks in with me about my Spinoza project. And I tell you that, you know, they've moved South. Um, yeah, so the the males have been here in Connecticut for over twenty five years, um, at least, 
uh, with a veterinarian here. So pretty cool project. Dr. Milo. Really cool turtles. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, before we move forward, I'm going to propose a question to the 19 people watching right now. Uh, in the future, you know, we've had some some pretty notable guests, you know. Uh, in the future, who would you like to see on the show so we can start working on hopefully getting them on board to see if uh, they're interested in talking to us for an hour once a month? What's cool about that is if you request somebody and then we can reach out to them, probably I could reach out to them mm -hmm. and tell them that they were that they're requested by popular demand. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Help us out. That's to answer Charlie's question. That is a way to get involved. Yeah, definitely. Think about it. Change the world. So while you're all thinking about that, I'm going to move on to the next question for our team here. Uh, I don't have a last name, but this is from somebody named Kevin. Um, it's for Anthony. It's and from you, Kevin, isn't it? No, it's not from me. I, when you hear the question, you'll know it's not from me. Is it Kevin McAllister from um, Home Alone? It might be. It might be Kevin McAllister. You know, he's just antics out there, just catching burglars and stuff. Okay. Um, oh, I think says. It's not Kevin anyway, McAllister. Anyway, the question is, when are you going to write a natural history book about Quora? That's a great question. I, I think the answer is never. Interesting answer. Why? Because uh, there are several books already. <sighs> there should be an English language book just on Quora, which for anyone watching who doesn't know, Quora is the genus of Asian box turtles um, that really should probably be split more, I think, into um, a couple genera. Um, um, me, maybe. And we're put back together, remember. I suspect yeah. if they do some kind of split, it might be one of those subgenus splits like we see in um, mm. Kelodyna. But mm -hmm. again, uh, I wouldn't hold my breath on any uh, split like that. And you know, until they figure a few other things out. I mean, part of it is just my limited understanding. Like I work with a lot of Quora. So to be able to see the vast differences from one species all the way to the other end of the spectrum and just how much of a change there is morphologically, behavior wise, stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> it's pretty interesting. But anyway, um, I actually think it's tough to say for sure, but I've heard that that someone else is working on writing a Quora book for living art publishing. I would imagine I would could probably guess who that someone else might be, yeah. but, and they're so, very qualified to do so. Yeah. More qualified than I am. And that's, yeah, that's the thing is when you're writing a book for the most part, unless you're writing a pamphlet like yours truly, then you're, you know, you kind of need to know what you're talking about. So, but I do work with a lot of Quora, and I do love them. And I continue to learn from them every day and from my reading. I'm buying uh, Asian language books now to do my research. Let me show you. I'll show you that. Are you learning Japanese? Goshi Nihango? I'm back, y'all. I'm back, y'all. Sorry, I don't have my headphones in. I can't hear you. You're talking about me. What would you say about me? We were I just waiting patiently. Yeah. What'd yeah. you say, buddy? Did you say, shh, he's back, he's back. So yeah, I've got this one. This is uh, Chinese Colonians Illustrated. I believe it's from 1993. Interesting. Yep. It's got a core on the cover, of course. 
I think it's McCord. I, I can't tell what that is on the cover. I'll get back to you. And then there's this one, of course, which I don't even know what the title is. There's more, too. These are just a couple. But, yeah. So you sit there like you're, like your toddler and go, ooh, look at the pretty pictures. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I'll actually try, like, to translate, like, with the German uh, Geo right. book, which was an important part of, like, in research for my book. Like, right. Um, that's a lot easier to translate because they're using letters that are recognizable so you can <laughs> translate more easily but with these um kanji yeah with these with these other characters it's like completely impossible but this is the this is the german we should do a whole podcast on on um books that we have that are in different languages you know Anthony, that's what takes it to the next level yeah. There's, uh, there's apps you can download that will overlay, like you put the camera on and it'll overlay English over the characters that you're seeing. Shut up with yeah. your technology. Are you serious? I Where have you been? Why have you never told me this? You didn't tell me you're buying international books. What? You've been to my house several times. What have you been yeah. doing here? You've got a hundred books. I look at, you know, turtles that I like. I don't look at your books. Oh my gosh. I hate you so much right now. Why is there a light behind your head? You look like there's a halo. Yeah. I, uh, well, I'm heavenly, clearly obviously also no i uh upon moving my current desk in this room i smashed yeah. the bulb that goes over the light mm. and i haven't replaced it because i have two kids and i can't find any time to do anything but but you're here and we all appreciate that yeah i'm, I'm really happy to be here to be honest that means a lot. here's the german book i don't know if you could see it you see that you see that folks right there it's got the uh the sylvatica on the cover as well which is that? Uh, oh yeah, in, Indian Achilles. Yeah. Hey, so I'm gonna pull back into uh, Kevin's post really quick, because uh, one thing he wrote in here under what topics would you like to see covered on the show in the future, which uh, we're not gonna say that for every single one. That's more for us. But this ties back into our first question from Charlie Moorcraft. Um, he thinks that it's a good topic will be based on Anthony's uh, TTPG presentation on just how keeping and breeding turtles is not con conservation but the ability to use those tools for, ed for education can be. Mm. Yeah. And so in some ways, I think the education end is might be the easier end to start participating in because of, um, I guess just the scope of education is different than the scope of, you know, conservation programs, particularly based on skill matter and, you're more likely like random animals that, you know, kept in small groups can easily be educational where they can't necessarily be conservational um, because of, you know, all of those, you know, details that we talked about earlier. That's a really good point. Yeah. And that was, I, it was really difficult for me to get it out at TTBG. I really struggle. And I know we talked about that on previous podcast, but um it is important for people to realize because I think there's a lot of people, a lot of old timers, they've been burned by people. They try to help somebody, take them under their wing. Things don't end up going well long-term. They get burned by somebody. They, they try to share information and things don't go well. Um, whatever. I don't know. I'm not giving good examples, but you get the, you get my drift and uh, they decide to stay, remain pretty quiet. Um, they just like to breed their animals and do their thing. And I understand the desire. Nothing makes me happier 
than getting a turtle egg than hatching that turtle egg. There's nothing better than that. Like, because turtles need it. And, um, yeah, like I love sharing that with my kids. It's amazing. But even though I think it stresses my animals that I use for education and it's a huge pain in the butt, like I work four jobs. I really do. I'm not lying. Um, and one main job and then a series of like part-time type jobs, but it's, it's a real struggle sometimes to get out there and do the educational work. And there are times where people want, will say, well, how much do you charge for his talk? I don't, I don't charge from now on. I'll say you could donate to the turtle room, but if you'd like, if you're so inclined, but it's, um, it's really worth it. And when you really sit down and think about it, like what's the low hanging fruit, like what can I do to actually change the world for the better? What can I do to actually change the world for turtle, you know, for the turtles, for the better it's education because every single one of us can educate someone. Every single one of us can help someone and can help, you know, help someone see turtles in a different way, help them learn more about the plight that, that um, turtles are facing in life. And um, not everyone can do the conservation. And a lot of times, even for the best breeders, conservation is not a reality. Yeah. We've got um, a lot of if great other projects. We've got a lot of great educational ideas we've got working up too. So, and, you know, we, we need people to help execute those as well, the volunteers to step up. Um, some of you are already contact uh, said you're going to contact me, which is awesome. So thanks so much for that, folks. Um, so uh, you know, education is where you re- like. We need volunteers to help make that happen because all of us are working day jobs, right? So yeah, it'd be like, and Anthony's working more than one day job. It'd be great for us to be able to, you know, just crank out more educational content, video, writing, you name it. But you know, we're limited. So, you know, that's why we, we have such a big team in some respects of volunteers is because each of us can only, only do so much because we've got to make a living else, you know, other ways right now. Right. And uh, guys, thank you for all the, you know, suggestions so far for guests. Please keep them coming. I am writing them down so we can try to contact them. Uh, already a couple of them are people I hadn't thought of that I'm really excited about the idea of being on the show. It gives me a chance to uh, talk to them where I probably – wouldn't ever have that chance in the real world for the time being. Um, and if you know the people that you're suggesting, like if you know them well, let them know. Like, hey, they were talking about guests and you should be on the podcast. Yeah, Sometimes yeah. we have people we want to get on, get on the podcast and they, they don't feel comfortable with it. So there may be people that you really want to see that we've been already asking for like years. You know, we have haven't a, come on because you, you, you didn't. Turkey, you know, who is a, a friend of the Turtle Room also. Uh, just right that we should go back for Ralph Till. But I think, you know, you guys both being in Florida, you guys should probably get together and do a uh, a team guest show one night for us. I think it'd be pretty fun. I think that those two should get together and make a rock and roll video. <laughs> like, with, like um, you know, like behind the scenes, like you popping know, bottles at Ray's house with all the skinks. And Ray, Ray's a rock star. You guys don't know about that. He's got a lot of experience doing wild stuff like that back in the day. I could totally see it. I'm really due for a vacation, so I'd like to get down to Florida. Uh, so let's, Ray, you know, Ralph, uh, let's chat. Let's make this happen. I think that'd be really great, you know? We'll sponsor it somehow, even if it's just, uh, I don't know. Free he has a camera. Free on here. I got a, I got cameras and stuff. He has a camera. Ray, you have a couch. Let's get you guys together. Awesome. It's a match made in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I'm going to move forward. Uh, yeah, you should. You know what? Actually, this next question is from Ralph Till, so that's pretty good. Uh, this question is also from for Anthony. Never heard With of our knowledge of the plight of turtles and tortoises worldwide and the abundance of captive bred specimens readily available, why do we continue to accept the importation of thousands of wild-caught animals into this country? Perhaps greed? The greed is point. I put it as a question. You're going to hate me, Ralph. You're going to hate me on this one. Because I think the answer is it's complicated. Yeah. I think it's tough to say. I think it's complicated. There's a lot of different things at play. But yes, I think greed plays the biggest role in it. Um, if there's money to be made, they're going to be sent. And I think a lack of knowledge, too. Like, like the places that sell Russian tortoises thrive on a lack of knowledge. People would, people would not be buying four-inch Russian tortoises if they knew they were just collected from the wild and carrying whatever the heck they carry. Um, yeah. As opposed to hatchling animals that were, you know, responsibly produced by someone uh, within the United States. Yeah. Well, and statistically speaking, and I'm going to get a little, just not too deep mathy or anything, but I won't make fun. I won't make fun of you. No, I'm it's okay. But have at the, it. the reality is, all things are not equal when it comes to one species versus another. And yes, there are an abundance of captive bred specimens readily available, but it's not like there are abundance of captive bred specimens of every species available. Nor are, is price point anything comparable from one species to another as a whole. You know, we look at, we have a, we, you can buy a, a turtle from anywhere from $5 to over 10 grand from one specimen. And so as a result, the, the economics and the statistics, the, the don't say that the, the, the captive bred availability can meet the demand because there's all those other variables with, type of species, the value of each species, et cetera. And so not only is it the greed mindset, I think there's this, um, you know, you, in some ways you have, it's, I don't, I don't know if I want to say the collector mindset necessarily, but I don't know, you're going, so you're, you're a great guitarist and you're going to go buy a guitar. You don't go buy a $200 Epiphone off of the corner music store, right? If, if you're really into your stuff, you're going to do your research. You might even go to one of the custom shops of one of the top guitar companies and specify some of the specs of your guitar. So the guitars in the music store aren't going to meet your needs anymore. And so I think yeah. the same thing can happen with turtles and tortoises in some respect is you get deeper into your career, so to speak, of keeping turtles and tortoises and you're ready for a new challenge. And that challenge might not necessarily be able to be met with necessarily the captive bred specimens possibly i'm gonna and, i'm I, you, what you're saying i do agree with it's right or wrong uh, but i think that's that's part of why yeah. why even like if we're talking illegally acquired wild caught specimens i like there's no reason we should accept and in general we're not really accepting those they come in without our acceptance but i think that's why legal wild caught animals are an entirely different beast is because they they fill this other need that isn't being filled so to speak 
need might be a, the wrong word. There, there's this market that isn't being filled because because of the four inch law. Partly but, because of the four. I think the four inch law is part of it, but I don't. I don't because the hatchlings move around pretty easily in this country, regardless of the four inch law. But they don't go to somebody who's not savvy enough to find fauna classifieds or Facebook classifieds. Truth. Truth. The way that Russian tortoises do. Right. And the only reason it's red, it's readier sliders and not some other um, imported species is because they grow so fast compared to tortoises. Right. Um, right. And so to, to summarize, um, I'm going to go with Anthony's first answer. It's complicated. It's complicated, man. It is. And it's, you know, comes down to greed. We talk about a species that I know a little something about the, the leaf turtles from Vietnam. They are smuggled in all the time. There was just somebody selling um, just, I think three weeks ago, a group of them um, really, really cheap, really, really cheap. Um, and, and of questionable origin. And those come in because it's really tough. They have low fecundity rates, really tough to, be able to uh, meet that market demand the way Steve said, but that's not necessarily the case with these, you know, cheaper tortoises and things like that, that are coming in legally. Um, they're going to find whatever the cheapest way to sell something that says turtle they're going to do, you know, within legal limits. And then whatever the cheapest way to legally sell something that says tortoise, it doesn't matter what the species is. If Russians are the cheapest way to do that at four inches and not over, then that's the way they're going to do it. And people don't even know like how large Russian tortoises get because you always see them at this like five inch mark, you know, being sold at PetSmart and then being resold on Craigslist and then being rehomed by mats. And that's what you see. Um, but they actually get a lot larger and people don't know that because they're not going to send the large ones over because you could send five in its place if you if you held that one back and sold the juveniles. The general population is seeing those at the pet store has no idea they're not full size either. A lot of people see them and they go, oh, I think that's a full size tortoise, you know. Or think it's a baby. I can't tell you how many times on Craigslist oh, yeah. I see, you know, what five inch Russian yeah, being sold as a baby. Yeah, it's, you know, three months old. Got it at the pet store. It's like, that is a sub-adult Russian tortoise. What are you talking like, about? If it's wild caught, it's probably like eight or ten years old at that size. Yeah, yeah. so it's unfortunate, but yeah, but if if the if it makes sense financially, then people are going to do it if it's legal, and uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. You know, I want to add something in there also. Um, you know, the importation thing isn't usually on a direct to consumer; it's going to a dealer, it's going to a pet store, things like that. But on top of it, it's you know, it, unfortunately, it's ignorance, and it's not necessarily their fault. Like uh, when I was fourteen, fifteen, and I'm going to the reptile shows, and I see all these animals. Not in my head did I think they were like recently wild called animals. I just I didn't know any better. It's not mm -hmm. until you get into and you learn about it that uh, you start you know making those decisions. Like for instance, my my favorite species of turtle, you know, we talked about many times is the diamondback terrapin. Uh, my first terrapin that I got was from a well known poacher, uh, and I didn't know he was well known. I didn't know that was an issue. Uh, he's been arrested now. He's off the market, which is great. Uh, but was it a guy in Pennsylvania? Yeah, yeah. Know him. Or no, no of him anyway. Yeah. So this guy, you know, hundreds Steve's of uncle. The years, yeah. <laughs> Steve's uncle. Steve, is this how you got into turtles? <laughs> but uh, see his face. it's you know, it's uh, actually I can't see either of you guys' faces right now. I'm watching the the live thing on there to catch up, but it's slow. Hmm. Um, anyway, guys, so just so you were, we're about four to five seconds ahead of you, live. Uh, so yeah. 
That's I don't know what that means. I can hear. I, I'm with you. Can you hear me? I can hear you guys fine. I just can't see you. I see a picture of you holding a Hamiltonian with a nice fresh beard going on. That's an old picture. You could tell. Oh, I know. Yeah, I need to change that. I don't use that email except for podcasts. No, Getting ready to go to the club, you know. Can you hear Steve? Steve, I can't hear you. I wasn't saying got, anything. Oh, there he is. He got so he got so angry at my comment. I thought <laughs> I just kept seeing the picture. There was like your face, like after I said that was all I saw, and I could only see and hear Kevin. So I was I thought maybe you were gone. I, I thought we were letting Kevin talk awkwardly because he thought he was alone. That's what I thought. That's why I want to make sure he could hear me. No, I can hear you. Yeah, I was just told on the via chat by Steve Rosan that I'm muffled, and uh, I think that's I, just my voice. I just turned up your volume a little bit, so <laughs> I'm a muffled person. It's like you know, they say no one's going to get shot. Bigfoot. He's just, Bigfoot's just a blurry monster, is what that comedian says. Uh, so I'm just a I'm a muffled man. He is. He was much easier to understand before he had that big neck beard in the way. Now it all goes through, it filters through the neck beard and you can't hear it. As, as It's like he has a pillow over his neck when he's talking. Uh, all right, I'm going to move on. Um, <laughs> this is also from Ralph. It's not another question, just the topics aspect. And I know I said I wouldn't do every single one, but I do like this one too. Uh, he'd like to see a segment on each show dedicated to a specific species. It'd be like, very, very educational and we've, especially we've, to the younger generation. We've, we've talked about that. We've talked about that. Yeah. Maybe it's, we need to plan ahead to do those, but we should start putting together a list and schedule them out. What you know, Ralph is saying is don't talk about it, be about it. I'm sorry. What? what Ralph is saying is put your money where your mouth is. Don't talk about it. Be about it. I, yeah. he is a tough cookie. He really is. I like, I like Ralph. He's saying it because he's he's doing it on purpose. He's 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 right, and he knows he's right, and he's also purposely busting our chops. That's Ralph Till. In a nutshell, I love Ralph. Ralph's a great. He's the dude. best. He's the. I mean that with love. I want you all to know that I love him. Ralph, I look forward to meeting you one day. If you're on, I'm not sure if you're on right now. If you're a man and you meet Ralph Till, do me a favor, give him a hug. He gets very uncomfortable with, with male touching and maybe it's because I'm big, but every time I'm with him, I put my arm around him in public. He's, he, he loves me. I know he loves me, but it does make him uncomfortable. So just think about that. Okay. Good. Ralph, my father's down in uh, Florida currently right now. He's not really comfortable with male touching either, but I can probably convince him to come by and give you a handshake at least. Don't get those, those guys, those guys won't put their arm around each other. That's no fun. <laughs> what point is male bonding? What point yeah. is male camaraderie and bonding if you're not going to put your hands on each other? That's the title of my autobiography. <laughs> your memoir. Stay tuned. Stay tuned, Kevin. Not you, the other Kevin. That's the next book. It's not a Cora book. Who is the other Kevin? What's his last name? I know who he is. I can't tell you. He likes to. He likes to stay. Anonymity. Yeah. All right. He does. All right. All right. I'll drop it. I'll tell you later. Okay, sounds good. Uh, this uh, next question is from uh, a buddy that I know, Dan Roselli. He's down in Florida. Uh, Dan's also right. a terrapin guy. So this question is for whoever. It's not about terrapins. It's it kind of ties into the first question. But what do you think is the hardest thing about turtle conservation? Uh, and if we have time for a second question, how can someone like me be best? How can someone like me best get into conservation? We answered that with the first question, so we don't need to do that again. Uh, but what do you think is the hardest thing about turtle conservation? Um, drawing it the public attention that it deserves, like, 
um, like the pandas and the, you know all those other bigger animals, even the sea turtles yeah. get. I, I think that getting the our fre- our good tortoises and freshwater turtles the the attention that they so rightly deserve is the hardest piece because that's how you get more of the money and and more of the more of the the public sympathy etc that can really help change things for a species that was great i've got one for you i'll raise you one the okay. hardest thing the most difficult thing it's two part answer um, they go together about my ear is very itchy anyone watching at home is wondering why i keep itching my ear it's not a signal to steve it's um, my ears itchy, but a uh, two part, two part answer to that question. Um, I think number one is that you're on, you're, you're undoubtedly going to deal with folks who have different, differing motivation, uh, different things that they believe in. Uh, you have people who take a PETA approach. You have people who, uh, love to have animals in con, con um, in captivity, you have people who want to protect the land and people who want to preserve the species in captivity and people who um, want to feed their families and don't care about the animals. But all of those people and the, and the wealthy, the wealthy business people who want to plow over areas and and we're not necessarily fighting those people. We all need to work together and and understand where somebody is coming from who has lived an entirely different life than you on in a sometimes in a different part of the world. Like you can't even understand, can't even fathom what their what their life is and and what their journey has been like. Um, so I think so much of it for for true conservationists is learning learning about those cultures and learning to respect them. I see a lot of people who love radiated tortoises or uh other radiators are a great example you love radiated tortoises and you keep them in captivity and you want to breed them and you get so mad every time you see this big smuggling of all these species and we talk about it all the time and obviously it it upsets us um like to like more than we could even uh share however there's something motivating those people and there's something that matters to them um, besides the tortoises. And I think finding creative ways to solve those problems and find common ground and work together is, is really the most difficult thing about conservation. And just within that, just the complexity of, of conservation associated with that. Like there's a lot that goes on. It's not just, Hey, these, I can take these turtles and breed them and that'll be good because there'll be less need for them and they'll stop poaching them like it's there's a lot more than that and and true conservation is rare because there's so much that goes into it conservation very much intersects lots of different other areas of of life um it it impacts just general welfare of certain human populations um their ability to make a living and and so sometimes Saving a species also means saving or providing for the people that are living in the area of the species. It isn't just, we can't just focus on the turtles and tortoises. We have to focus on the the ecosystem. We have to focus on the people that live around there and, and all the other animals in that ecosystem and the people who live around that ecosystem. It's, um, 
it's multi the the best conservation programs are the ones that manage to um to hit all these other important areas in the you know in the area and they don't just focus directly on the animals right right which is why i think like the turtle conservancy has gotten a lot of praise lately they're buying land where you know endangered species live especially species that have really limited ranges and protecting the area um as i mean they also you know take care of animals in captivity and and do the whole nine but um that's that's something that i think has turned a lot of heads in a really positive light um, yeah. um another you know i want to check out some some really cool programs and how you engage natives and locals is check out the creative conservation Alliance. Um, I'm good friends with the executive director of the creative conservation Alliance. Uh, he and I hang out at turtle conferences together. Um, they've even, they, they've trained locals as parabiologists to aid in field work, et cetera. They, they like they're, they're doing things with the people in the area to help, not just turtles and tortoises, but but primates and all sorts of other endangered species survive. Pangolins, all sorts of great stuff. CCA is doing. That is gangster. So that's, that's so cool. Their website conservationalliance.org. So they're doing they're doing a lots of cool stuff. Um, they've been recognized already for their work globally, and they're doing some really neat things. Based in Bangladesh. They're based in Bangladesh. Yeah. Yeah, that's their, that's their home country. Yep, they, that's their range of country work. Yep. So you, you just sit down at TSA with a dude from Bangladesh who never told uh, me about it? The guy it? who's their executive director is from Tucson, Arizona. But that's long the, from Bangladesh. The, the co founder is originally from Bangladesh. Oh, okay. That's awesome, though. What a cool idea. I can't wait to look that up. I, I just jotted that down with my pen. True, yeah, actually, true story. actually, um, Kevin, just write Creative Conservation Alliance on your list for possible guests, and I'll talk to Scott about possibly getting on here shut up yeah why not you didn't, i was gonna yeah. say you didn't have to actually shut up you got quiet after that that is so cool i'm, I'm getting excited that's the type of stuff we need uh if i can i want to dive in and add something to that last question um if that's okay with you guys i think uh crickets yeah, sorry. Um, listen, listen, guys, we're really enjoying this. This is our 49th episode of the podcast. Next month, we're going to have the Creative Conservation Alliance on for to celebrate our 50th. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Just kidding. All right. Okay, so I personally, I think the hardest thing about conservation, and you know, my only bit to it is the education that I can kind of help out with these guys personally. But I think the hardest thing is uh, that it's unfortunately a battle that's never going to fully be won. Um, the way the world is, you know, there's opportunistic people, there's uh, impoverished people. And if the only way that they're going to be able to provide for their family realistically is by taking an animal, ideally they don't clearly, but it's the only way they know uh, it's, it's just never going to end. Um, so that's what I think is the hardest thing, you know, and if we can figure out ways to make it so they don't have to do that, I'll be much better off, but I don't see that happening in our lifetime, unfortunately. Not to get somber and downtrodden, yeah. but uh, we're, we're gonna be yeah. optimistic. You know, I if I can affect something in my life, I'm going to. That's how I'm gonna be optimistic about it. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on in the world. Sorry, everybody. Yeah, bummer. 
Hey. See you next month, everybody. All right. Good night. It's been real. Uh, our next question comes from uh, Matthew Healy, who is a great dude out of uh, Missouri. He focuses on terrapine. Um, that would question- be genus of, of North American box turtles. Correct. Yes. We have to remember that not, not all the guests are nerds. I apologize. I Some are aspiring nerds. Uh, yeah, so his question is, are there currently any studies being done on any of the Mexican species of terrapine besides Coahuila? Uh, why or why not? And that's the Coahuila uh, box turtle. Yes, I believe there are um, studies being done on Mexican terrapine other than the Coahuila um, box turtle. Um, I believe the American Turtle Observatory has some of their has their hands in some of of those species like uh, Nelsoni, etc. I know they are highly concerned with the Mexican terrapine. Um, in fact, uh, looking, I just pulled up their site right now. I'm pretty sure they're doing something with at least Yucatana, if not that more. Be the Yucatan box turtle yes. and Nelsoni yes. being the spotted box turtle, Mexican spotted box turtle? Yes, or? Okay. you've got it. Um, yeah, right. so um, definitely Yucatan. I see that one on their website. I do not see others on there yet. But so... Um, uh, I know ATO has the Mexican terrapine on their on their radar. So, um, you know, they're working with the Yucatan right now, but maybe more in the future, at least from them. So there's at least one other Mexican terrapine that's being studied right now. And so there might be others that we're not sure about. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think anybody knows about every bit of work that's happening. I was hoping you knew something because I don't. And I know Kevin oh, does. There you go. I no knew offense, one thing. No offense, Kev. That was good, though. That was good. They're great. They're great tortoises. Uh, tortoises, turtles. And if if you watch the classifieds like I do uh, religiously, then you know that um, a lot of them have been showing up lately. So just a word to the wise: be careful. Have we have we done this PSA about uh, Mexican box turtle species yet? Maybe once, but we should Maybe do it once. again. Let's do it again. It's episode fifty. We're being super redundant. If you're just if you're just signing on, folks, we're being super redundant. Uh, yeah, so just be careful. There, a lot of them are showing up. A lot of them are adults, um, and they're not know, legal. Just be careful. They're, so it's I don't know what the law is, but there Mexican species are not kosher. That's why a lot of Mexican species, even if they're common, are not necessarily um, common in captivity, and therefore can can demand a high price um in the u.s and it's amazing how many people in south texas just happen to have rare mexican box turtles for sale these days be careful okay that you love you love these animals and and all that you get really excited to try to do something but when i see a desperate south texan uh drastically dropping the price of their mexican box turtles um, and I don't mean just the Mexican box turtle, but the other Mexican species of box turtle as well. Um, Red flags pop up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, it's just best to be careful. No one here has any of those species uh, for that reason. But, um, yeah, just saying. Not that we don't want to, but, you know, think about the animals and, and think about your reputation and your future too. You have to be careful. So...
Yeah. Steve, why are your eyes so big? <laughs> I thought I said something that upset you. No, oh. I, was, I was. I had something. I was looking at something, and oh, he was looking at. Sorry, I put him. And on my side. eyes are also getting a little bit dry, apparently. So yeah, tis the season. Yeah, tis the season. What else you got, Kev? I got two more questions. Uh, one is a question from a live viewer, William, uh, to Anthony. What have what have been your ups and downs with working with Indo, Indo Testudo for Stenii, and how did you overcome the horked situation? What? What, uh, horked, horked situation? Horked, overcome the horked situation. <laughs> what does that mean? Does that mean when they were the tortoises? No, I think that's related to usage of the word hork earlier in the show. By really? Truly. How did I overcome it? Yeah, I just moved Or forward. was there another horked situation that I mentioned? Because I've used that now as an adjective, like in past tense, all sorts of different things throughout the show now. Again, episode 50, the episode of redundancy. The great episode of redundancy. The horked episode. The horked. Oh, horked. Yeah. Good one. After this, after this is over, I'm retitling this. Uh, Good one. This put it. The horked episode. Put it on the poll. Should it be titled horked or the great redundancy? Let us know your thoughts. Well, it, it was currently titled viewer appreciation night. <laughs> no, that's lame. No way. <laughs> that's out of here. That's number three at best. Uh, um, yeah, so I don't know how to answer the horked question, but you can fill in the blanks if you know what I mean. But I don't want to touch that with a 10-foot pole because it's non-sexual. Uh, but uh, as far as the Forstens tortoise, which you asked about, um, I actually, um, I, re I really enjoyed keeping the Forsten tortoise. Um, it's a great species. Um, one of our partners at the turtle room is like the world's well at least the united states uh foremost expert on the captive breeding of the the forest and sorters he's produced over 90 hatchlings uh over the years and that's a species that has low fecundity as well which means that they produce not a lot of young um and yeah the the, the most difficult part about keeping forest and tortoises I'm saying Forsten, by the way, speaking of uh, sexual sounding names, uh, that tortoise, right? People always make fun of me because I say it quickly. I, and it's like I, something. I have one and its name is Forskin. That's its name? It's that's, name. You're a degenerate. It's so Wait, great. That's Amanda, that's Amanda for you. She's the degenerate. Yeah, right. Because right, she's making fun of you because when you say it and just talk about it in normal conversation, that's what it sounds like. So uh, the most difficult part uh, in keeping the species is... Um, the fact that they just want to kill each other like all the time like all the time um if there was like a turtle you know police they'd be showing up anytime they see each other for domestic violence calls they just literally want to kill each other anytime they see each other and it's difficult because you have to put them together they're like a critically endangered species that could be you know functionally extinct in the wild within the next decade like they are going so fast um christine light is doing amazing work you want to talk about someone who we should have a, as a guest christine light is doing amazing work with them on the island of sulawesi where they are endemic um and uh it's yeah it's just not pretty they set up a really cool program there and then had um an earthquake that kind of set them back a lot not just yeah. the program but just like the, the, the entire island yeah. is yeah bad shape yeah. yeah really bad shape so um 
Yeah. So probably as important as ever to try to actually do something with the Forstens tortoise. What's really interesting too, is our partner, Ben, who, who, you know, is the breeder I was mentioning who has had probably more success, success than anyone in the United States breeding the species definitely has. Um, he would over the years has had hatchlings. Nobody wants them, but everybody wants to buy the wild caught imports. Um, that come in because they want to try their hand at breeding or what have you. But um, that's something that's always boggled his mind. I think that may have flipped now a little bit because you don't see hatchlings quite as much as you used to compared to adults. But uh, yeah, it's amazing. And the species is still um, exported from Sulawesi. They still allow a certain quote, quota to be sent out, which is amazing for a species that probably will be extinct uh, and functionally extinct in the wild in the next 10 years. So anyway, uh, keeping them, they just want to kill each other. They're really cool to feed because they eat anything. You could feed them everything from meat to vegetables and fruit and tomatoes and like all sorts of just weird stuff. Mushrooms. That's one of my favorite uh, parts about Minoria too. Those tropical tortoises really yeah. anything like a box turtle will. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty cool. Exactly. Right. Just feed them kind of like a box turtle maybe with a little bit heavier on the greens. Yeah. Um, yeah. Morning. Yeah, there you go. I ate some worms this morning. Oh, worms! Yeah, worms. yeah, cool. yeah. Love a good worm. Mm-hmm. You do? No, the the tropical tortoises. Oh, I'm embarrassed. Uh, so I have a question from Tommy Maxwell. This is for Steve Enders. Uh, nice. Yeah. If you could work with any turtle on the planet that you have not had the chance to work with, what would you choose and why? Why is that only a question for Steve? That's not fair. I don't know. Is there a the map turtle that you just haven't come across yet? Um. Well, I've gotten to work with Oculifera. I have those. I never thought that would happen until Jared that's, came along and was like, hey, do you want these? And I was like, yeah. That's a ring map turtle for anyone who's wondering. Yeah. Yeah. Ring map turtle. Um, I, you know, I don't know. That's a really, really good question. Um, and, you know, how would I would... I would have probably been actually able to answer that question half a decade ago. And now I'm not sure what I would pick. I mean, in Pennsylvania in general, we're not allowed to keep um, natives in captivity for the most part. So I haven't really gotten to work with any PA natives in captivity, but doing our wood turtle work, I've seen as many wood turtles in the wild as anything else. Um, We have, uh, there's one wood turtle that we see every other time we're out there. He's a really frequent. Um, so I've gotten to know some wood turtles um, that way without having, even though I haven't, can't like keep them in captivity. So, man, I don't know what I'd pick. It's a great question. And it's a tough question. Um, hmm. I'd love to work with a female's beals-eyed turtle because we only have males. Nice. <laughs> Message. If any of you guys are out there hoarding one, let us yep. know. Could could use another female four-eyed turtle for that matter too, but we're working on it. Not really. That's Those negotiations have, have, have screeched to a halt. That's yep. for sure. If I could keep any turtle in captivity, I would keep like – an extinct one. Stupendemis. Isn't that like eight feet across? Yeah, and I would ride it to school. That would uh, it 
it was like across like the uh, the Midwest, like when we were covering water. That's yeah. Saying, right. I don't know. I'm pretty sure. I, I couldn't tell you. I had tough enough time remembering the genus. But yeah, that's what I would keep if I could keep any species. Um. All right. So second part to that question is for Anthony. What is your favorite aquatic turtle? Was that really for me? You just make that up. I mean, I can show you the screen. I believe you. Yeah. No, I didn't believe you before, though. My favorite aquatic turtle? That's a really tough one. Um, boy, this is it. It took to the I, end I, of the I, show. I think how we struggle. define aquatic here <clears throat> change your answer as well. Oh, and, and just how I define favorites. Yeah. Uh, you know? I think um, they're suggesting like a, a turtle you would see in an aquarium. I would say probably the alligator snapping turtle. That's an aquatic turtle that I really love that I don't keep because it probably wouldn't be fair to them and probably wouldn't be much uh, use conservation or, or uh, it would have educational use. But anywho, yeah, that's a pretty impressive species. But I mean, if, oh man, like to be able to, see some of these other uh global species species around the world in the wild that i don't necessarily want to keep um that would be amazing so yeah i think fly, I fly think river turtle is a pretty cool aquatic turtle oh i think these days you know i'd i'd be more excited about seeing some things in their native habitat than i would about getting in captivity completely i think that's one of the biggest things that changed for me over the last seven eight years you know seven and a half you know five to seven years is um as much as it'd be fun to keep certain things in captivity getting to see them in the wild would be just an absolute blast yeah i've come across in the past couple of years uh, some species in a local park to me that like I've never seen my entire life in Connecticut. Um, and I mean, I'm 36 now, you know, so it's been a long time coming. That was really amazing to see stuff. They've only seen in zoos. Uh, so that was pretty awesome. Um, but yeah. What type of stuff are you finding out there? I mean, we like star tortoises it. in the no, wild in Connecticut. You know, I, I found a red foot tortoise walking toward the pond out of the woods. That's not one of the ones I'm talking about, but that's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. You think it would have survived the winter if you didn't find it? I don't think so. What about the Russian tortoise you found? Um, I didn't find a Russian tortoise. You sent one over to me. That was found. Oh, that someone else found. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't find that one personally. Uh, that one probably would have survived. Yeah. Stranger things have happened. It might still yeah. be surviving right now, you know, for all I know. What's that supposed to mean? Uh, it, it escaped. So I don't know where it is. Ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here first. This was like a year and a half ago, two years Kevin ago. Kevin is, I already knew that, but I wasn't getting yeah. it. I need you to, to make a confession on the podcast. Maybe Okay, new title of this episode, Kevin's Confession. Listen, <laughs> you didn't need to do that. In my defense, this wasn't a planned event. Uh, I was called like, hey, can you take this Russian tortoise for a little bit? Because it was in my local town. Don't Just, blame the person who. I'm not. Let me, let me get into this. Who Let's thought of you. Don't jump the gun, pal. Don't blame the angel on earth. I, listen, I'm blaming myself. All I wanted to say was that I didn't have adequate time to set up a correct pen for them. Oh, jeez. Hey, 
And then I'm looking at it from both sides. My dogs tried digging under the pen from one side, and the Russian tortoise dug from the other side. It was a perfect match. Wow. Luckily, my dogs are about the size of the Russian tortoise, so there's no damage to anybody. I'm embarrassed for you. Thanks. Thanks, man. Please direct, uh, viewers, please direct your hate mail to the Turtle Room P.O. Box. Kevin.Minto at theturtleroom.com. I accept all the hate mail there. <laughs> he always does. Good. I don't want to open it in the actual mailbox. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't send me any, any E asbestos. All right. Uh, that's all the questions that I have from the live chat that I saw. And, e asbestos. Uh, e asbestos. We get all of them from the forum too. Asbestos? Are you talking about anthrax? Um, actually, you know, this is a second part of that question: is Have you guys ever considered publishing a book covering every living colonian on the planet? Colonians, since they told me nobody's nerds are what turtles and tortoises are. Um, we don't need to do that because lots of other people have already done that, yeah. so to speak. Um, obviously, there's in some ways they could use being updated, but there's some really good books out there that covers pretty much every turtle and tortoise. That's around, despite the taxonomy maybe being a little out of date or whatever. There's lots of good resources out there. Um, some of them are called Turtles of the World. Um, there, there's a lot of good stuff out there already. And I couldn't imagine the time that would take to do. And I'm not sure we'd have the time to do that with all the other things we're trying to do. Well said. Well said. Yeah, those are some of my favorite books. I would just sit up at night with like a headlamp on and just flip through the pages and look at the picture and read the scientific name and do that with like one book for like a week and then switch to another book. My keeping and breeding freshwater turtles, Russ Gurley's book looks like, I don't even know what it's, it's, it you looks know, like it was ripped apart by children like for decades. It's the poor thing is so tattered because it's been read 2000 times i don't have that book i gotta contact russ and get it sent over it's a really good book but it's really difficult to uh get your hands on now because it's been um out of print for a long time it's from 2002 well he might have his own copies possibly i don't know he's no? he's work well i shouldn't say anything but he's he's working on something anyway well, um this book yeah yeah this great yeah anthony tried stealing it from me when he came over I have since I have since got my own copy. Thank you. Oh, all, right. all right. Now I know yep. it's safe. I got to take it out of the lockbox. No, it's not safe though. I'll still steal no. it. Okay. Yeah, I have to feed my family. Yeah. There's no Russian tortoises. I mean, so uh, radiated tortoises walking around for me to do that with. So yeah. I have to steal from you. Dude, just go to uh, what's what's that uh, buffet? Golden Golden Star Golden Coin. What is it called? I don't know. What the hell are you talking about? Oh, Golden Corral. Golden Corral. Yeah, what about it? To feed my family? Feed your family. I do. When I go there, I line my pockets with um, with Ziploc bags. Nice. And I make my whole family wait in the car, and I eat until I'm gonna pass out, and then I and then I fill my pockets and I walk out and feed them like a like a papa bird. I don't chew at first, but I bring the food back for everybody. Huh. You know what, guys? Uh, Sans a guest. This is my favorite episode so far. Really? I feel like we really <laughs> limped through it. It's been fun. We've been moving pretty good too. I feel like we I'm, really struggled. Hmm. Well, I'm kidding. Okay. I can't. Anthony, it's been an, almost an hour and a half already. Can you believe it? I'm Time not going on. anywhere. Fun. You could yeah, turn. I, you 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 could close off the show. I'm I'm not going anywhere. I'm gonna yeah, keep. I, 
I gotta hop off. I gotta put Penny to bed, and she sleeps three feet from me. Right now. That's yeah. that's an idea for a future show. Uh, Turtle Room podcast filibuster. Watch we Penny. Just, like we'll stay on until there's zero viewers, which it could probably happen pretty quick. But yeah, they'd all turn <laughs> off, so we'd have to turn, so we'd leave. Um, <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, we hope you enjoyed episode number fifty. Uh, we enjoyed it. Um, keep sending those uh, suggestions on guests and future topics. We'll um, we'll be uh, we'll be paying attention for those and planning. Uh, uh, future shows. Kevin will take the lead on that as he has been for a while. And uh, those of you that were like, how can we get involved? Um, I typed my email in there several times. You can find it on our website. Um, you want to take pictures, you want to write, you feel like you just want to find your skill, just send me an email and uh, we'll video. figure it out. Yeah, you can help Kevin shoot video. Lots of different things we could use. So just, you know, Send us your contact info and we'll be in touch. Uh, if I could just quickly too, because we forgot to plug next next month, we do have a guest. Um, James Hall is a keeper at Phoenix Zoo and he's a turtle guy. And um, February 4th. Yeah, so he'll be here. We're looking forward to that. He's looking forward to that. It's going to be an awesome show. And um, yeah, we look forward to seeing you guys there. So send your questions early. Send your questions during the next show. Or don't send your questions, just tune in, tell a friend, especially if that friend should be a guest, that sort of thing. Tell, tell all of your friends. Tell, tell your neighbor. Indeed. Indeed. Thank you all for your support. Um, to help support the podcast and the Turtle Room's conservation and education work, um, we're a nonprofit now. We're still waiting for our official letter, but the IRS lets us accept tax-deductible donations in the meantime. Feel free to log on to our website, theturtleroom.com slash donate. Send us a little bit. Uh, we thank all of you who have been donating already. We've been blown away um, by what you've done even since the calendar turned over here at the new year already. Um, thank you so much. And uh we look forward to doing this again in, in uh, four weeks. That's Anthony. That's Kevin. I'm Steve. And we're out of here so you don't get bored and want to come back later. Adios. Love you guys. Love you guys. Hug Ralph Till. <laughs>